When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could with stories and things I picked up along the way. They also called me Padre. So welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to take the questions of the day and answer them as best I can. Lately, I've had some recording troubles. Uh, last Sunday, I recorded the whole thing and realized that my microphone was sitting in another room, so there was nothing recorded. It was being, I was recording things in the other room, not where I was. And then uh, during the week, we've been meeting in person again uh, in coffee shops. So my, I need to reshift my recording time to another time because there's always a lot going on in an outdoor coffee shop setting. Um, that doesn't lend itself to the studio. I think I got one recording in, but that's about it. But thanks for your patience. As always, you are the best listeners on the planet, and I'm thankful for you today. The question we're answering today is the question that Jesus asks question is, where do we buy bread for all these people to eat? It's a strange question for Jesus to ask. John, the narrator, tells us that he asks the question to test his disciples, knowing that he will solve the problem. He already has a solution in mind, but he's going to ask them. When a server comes up to you at a restaurant and says, and Mr. Peters, how are we going to pay for this? Um, they don't mean that they're going to pay for it. They mean, they mean, I'm going to pay for it. And that's the kind of question Jesus asks. Where are we going to buy bread for all these people to eat? We even see sort of the comedy of Jesus in this, in a very light way. There is a crisis. There are sick people that have flocked to see him, and they've left their houses and villages far away, and many of them don't have the means or money or even the availability of bread to, to uh, eat. And so they're going to be hungry. Hungry people are hard to be around in large groups um, because they suffer, because they're miserable, and the, those who might have a little bit are hesitant to share. They're also dangerous, large groups of hungry people, as many have said over the years that we're all about six missed meals from a revolution. Um, at some point when we can't eat, the social order breaks down. And so there's a couple issues going on here with this crowd. But Jesus does this to test them, for he knows what he's going to do. Jesus has an agenda. Jesus has a purpose in life. It's not bad to have an agenda if it's a good agenda. It's not bad to have a, have a purpose and a goal if it's a good thing. Um, this is actually a better way to live. The other way to live is being a reactionary, constantly reacting to everything that happens and scrambling. And I feel like I live a lot of my life this way, constantly reacting to what is happening to me rather than me setting out and doing what I know I need to do. Um, so one of his disciples suddenly shows up, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. This is the brother, Andrew, who brought Peter to Jesus in the beginning. Um, he's the quieter brother, but he seems to have a real sense of who's ready to meet Jesus. And he comes up. And he says, there's a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. 
but what are they among so many people? The resources at hand seem extremely inadequate for the need at hand. There's a huge need, about 5,000 people. They finally sit them down and number them, about 5,000. That's a lot of people to, to feed. Five loaves and two fish, the, the lunch of the boy. Now, it seems like five loaves and two fish, um, unless there's really, 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 really tiny loaves, which I doubt, um, this is enough to share. Five loaves and two fish is enough to share already, but it's probably enough to share with one or two or more people. It's not enough to share with 5,000 people. Whenever we look at our resources and we look at the need of the world and the needs around us, it does seem extremely inadequate, but what happens in the story is what should happen to us that we take what we have and we share that that is what we do when we follow jesus he invites us to share with everyone not just with the people we think we'll have enough to share with and this is a different way to look at the world look a different way to look at the need uh, we are so quick to say there's no way we can fix this big problem there's no way we can solve our big problems. There's no way to solve the needs of hunger and lack of health care in the world. Um, and yet, it starts with this little boy and his lunch. And so we all have these things that we say, I have this, but I, it doesn't seem like enough. Well, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Jesus knows what to do with it. He's already got a plan. He's already got an agenda. In fact, in the story here, it looks like he already knows that this little boy's lunch is out there in the crowd. I mean, if you believe in the fact that he multiplies the bread, you can believe that he knew about the bread. And Jesus knows about you. Jesus knows what's in your lunch bag. Jesus knows what you have and what you don't have. And Jesus knows that that's enough to meet the needs of the world. Gather up the fragments left over. Um, oh, we didn't get to actually, he, he sits him down on the grass. He takes the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated and also the fish as much as they wanted. Um, this is a proto-Eucharist. This is well before his final or his first Eucharist, the Last Supper. But it is an enactment of that. He takes the loaves and he gives thanks. That's the word Eucharist in the Greek in the New Testament. He gives them out to those who are seated. That is basically what we do at communion. We give thanks. We pray that Jesus will take the loaves. And then we distribute them to everybody that's there. And people eat their fill. When they're satisfied, he tells the disciples, get the fragments that remain so nothing may be lost. So they gathered up the fragments of the five barley loaves. Notice how the text says the fragments that they gathered were the fragments of the five barley loaves. Wow. Like, just from a matter standpoint of divided matter, that somehow the matter that is that, in, that made up these loaves is stretched in a way, is, is expanded in a way that the fragments that are gathered up are the same barley loaves. There's profound lessons for life and metaphysics in this that I don't fully understand. I'm not a not the smartest guy in the world, not the sharpest tool on the shelf. But it seems like the way we think of even fixed objects like loaves of bread, 
are perhaps inadequate in the way inadequate to the needs of the world or perhaps inadequate to uh, our eyesight is inadequate to see what Jesus sees. When Jesus looks at five barley loaves and two fish, Jesus sees the possibilities of those things. Jesus does not see the limits of those things. One of the problems of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and probably a number of other um, diagnosed mental health disorders that people today struggle with, just as people have always struggled with, is the inability to see a better future, a foreshortened future where we can't really see good things happening to us up ahead, where we are not sure that um, we're not sure that that life will get a little better or life will get more meaningful or life will become more hopeful. Um, the fact that that uh, limited vision is there is one of the symptoms that all of us struggle with, especially when you've experienced trauma. And so Jesus sees that. He sees the possibilities, the, the, the expanded future. There is no foreshortened future. He is looking at things with an eternal view. And when you see barley loaves with an eternal view, and you see fish with an eternal view, um, you don't see the limitations anymore. And right away, everybody knows this is a sign. This is a signpost pointing to who Jesus is. This is a prophet who has come into the world. And then Jesus realizes they're going to make him king by force. He runs away again. And there's a miracle on the sea where he rescues them uh, from being swamped in their little boats. This is the recurring theme of the Gospels. It's the same theme over and over again, that I can take care of you, that Jesus is here to show us how to live. The way the early Christians did this was they shared everything they had. And what they did in those sharing miracles, and they were very practical. They took their stuff, sold it, put it in a big pot, and shared it with people in need. It was a form of communism that um, Christianity has never known fully since then, um, in that all the Christians were doing it in those first days. Um, this kind of radical love, this voluntary self-sacrificing love, did benefit everybody. And it was enough. It was plenty. It really worked. It always works because Jesus is involved in it. And this is what Jesus in his, in his parables and in his life and teachings always did. And so when those early Christians did that, they were thinking back to these miracles. They were thinking back to these moments with Jesus when he looked at the barley loaves and two fishes and they all looked at the same barley loaves and said, there is just no way. There's a meme going around that, you know, Beyonce has 24 hours in her day too. So, you know, she can accomplish a lot. And the truth is, all of us are not Beyonce. Um, in fact, we're barely ourselves most of the time. And yet, when when we go to heaven someday, uh, as Rabbi, the old Rabbi Zosima said, um, someday when you go to heaven, um, God will not ask you, were you Moses? God will not ask you, were you Elijah? God will ask you, were you you? Were you the person I created you to be? That is what God is going to ask us. And so, as we think about the expanded universe of these bread, this, these bread loaves and the fish, um, this is the way God sees the world. So what in your life have you said will never get better? What in your life do you consistently come back and say, this is never going to improve? Those are the places where Jesus will show up as you follow him in faith. 
and I don't know how he's going to show up. The disciples thought money was going to come out of nowhere. That's what their solution was. If we just had enough money, six months wages, we could buy all the bread we needed. Their solution is a monetary one. Jesus' solution is a miraculous one. And so the solution to your big thing will be a miraculous one. It'll not be, it'll not be some kind of, um, some kind of solution that you think is the one you need, generally speaking. And that's the wild thing about following Jesus and the life of faith, is that we do get what we need. We do get what we want, but not always in the way that we wanted them, not always in the way that we planned, not always in the way that we dreamed or hoped. Um, this is what, but in the way that God, in the way that Jesus has planned for us, Jesus is teaching us. He was teaching his disciples here and asking them this question, where are we going to buy all the bread for these people to eat? Jesus is asking that question to us. Where are you going to find that thing you're looking for? Where will it be? He's asking us this, knowing that he has a solution already. And we're going to offer up our solutions, which are often inadequate. And Jesus is going to be like, okay, cool. I like that. And then circling around, meeting that need in a way we never fully expected. So that is the life of faith that God is calling you to today, calling me to as well. It's no easier for me than it is for you. I'm no better at this stuff. But I hope I can see the little boy in the crowd with the barley loaves walking, looking for someone to find him. This little boy wanted to be found. Andrew didn't grab him while he was sneaking one of the loaves. This was a voluntary thing. This little boy brought the lunch to the disciples. This little boy brought the, his lunch to Jesus. So that little boy is out there somewhere with the loaves. It might be a grown-up. It, it might be a pet. I don't know who that boy with the lunch is for you is going to be. But they're out there. They're going to show up. And Jesus will be there to multiply that gift, just as Jesus will multiply the gifts of your life. So you've got this. Whatever it is, Jesus has got this. There is no foreshortened future. There is no end of hope. There is no despair that is greater than the power of Jesus Christ. You've got this. Jesus has got this. Amen.